Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us to come and worship you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. It's wonderful to be in the presence of your children, this group of believers who love you and come to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you be with all of those who are hurting today and who are suffering loss and those who wanted to be here and couldn't. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We want to keep Miss Barbara Bertram, Joey's wife, lifted up in her family today. Um, her nephew, Kurt, uh, drowned in Canyon Lake on Friday. And uh, she's on her way up there uh, right now. And so that's a, a terrible tragedy. I got a call on Friday about 4 o'clock. A friend of mine. There was a few of us out in Wichita Falls when I, I lived up there for a time. And we were, we run the roads together, as they used to say. We ran pretty hard. And this one fella, he was a few years younger than me. And I, but we were really three amigos there, you know. And um, still are. And he called me Friday, two years ago. I think it was two years Savannah and I went up there, which still falls, and this this friend of mine had gotten out of prison and uh, was turning things around, mostly in part to the good Lord, but he'd come to know him through a woman that he had met, and uh, so I went up there and, and married them a couple years ago, wonderful woman, Kim Chester, and he called me and said that he came home Friday and found her dead and uh, 51 years old. So. It's just, uh, you know, these things are not easy. We know. Everybody here knows. And, uh, but, you know, it just, uh, it gives you pause. Like I said last week, especially the older you get, the more you just seems to like a whiff of smoke, you know. And uh, I was, I've been reflecting on these things. I was up late last night because our granddaughter, Harper, I told Joey, she's had a sleepover. She, she had to have a sleepover. She's three and a half. And uh, so when Tavana closes, yeah, oh, she's going to make sure. She'll go for four, and you say, well, you're not four yet. Well, three and a half. But, but Tavana closed the store at seven and gets out of there about seven thirty. Had to go pick her up, bring her to the house, had the big sleepover festivities. And and then, so finally, you know, last night at one, one thirty, I'm sitting quietly with the Lord finally, you know. Then bright and shiny this morning, she's jumped on my bed. Papa, you got to get up. You got to go to church. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so she was leaving with Tavana this morning, and she has to. So Tavana had to. She had to back up down the street because she didn't get it just right. She has to wave at me just right and give me, give me the these signs and blow me a kiss, goldfish, and the wave plenty, you know. And otherwise, she's gonna make her back up and start over. <laughs> and then I got in my truck and headed up here, and I saw an old man walking in our neighborhood who I've been seeing walk for years. And somebody told me one time, you know, that old man, he was a preacher. He was a pastor. He's retired, you know. And he was pretty old then. And he, man, he really gets it. And this morning I saw him and he was, he always waves. He's cordial. He waves at everybody. And he was walking and he was walking very slow this morning. And all these things just give you pause, you know. There's life. There's the brevity of it, you know, the meaning of it all, and I, uh, I've had to do way too many of those. And my friend asked me to come up there for, for this. I don't think that I'm going to be able to make, but I'm going to call him again this afternoon. Um, but I just want to read something from First Thessalonians, chapter four. It's with all the T's in the back. Five T's in a row. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, starting there. But we, speaking of Christians, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. He means those who have passed on. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So, I just want to say that it's really about perspective. We look around, I I was... You know, some days it's just a little harder to get going than others. I sort of felt like that this morning. I didn't share that. I don't speak those things. I'm not going to agree with the devil. But sometimes we might feel it, you know. But when I got here, it all changed. You know, I talk about church. I, I compare it to going to the gym, you know. It's hard to go sometimes, but you're never sad you went. And just being here, just sitting there a few minutes ago looking at you guys, I just, the joy of the Lord is my strength, you see? That's what the Word says. And I, I have that overwhelming joy just rose up in me just to see all of you here this morning. But you know, there will be people sitting in this room probably one day that never even heard of us. Even Mr. Randy, and all the, all the life and Miss Norma that they poured into this place. Probably come a time when people will say, who? 
and not to negate anything of any of us. But it's not about this world, you see. This is not our home. And we're not supposed to fall in love with this place. We're supposed to be loved while we're here. We're here as ambassadors of a holy God and His Son, Jesus Christ. The joy that I felt is because your family, you will be, I will see you forever. I will see you in heaven. We will talk about these things. We will talk about a lot of things. Come visit me, I'll come visit you. There won't be any offense up there, you see. No separation. No division. No pain. No suffering. But while we're here, there is a job for us to do. And while we're doing it, God wants us to have everything we need and to be everything that He has called us to be, to do everything He's called us to do. That's what the grace of God provides for, you see. Everything that Jesus paid for on the Christ... The atonement, what does that mean? Is that the at, at one meant. So you're at one with God again. You're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Just as if I'd never sinned, is what I like to think. That's a wonderful thing. I've, had, I've been to a lot of home goings, ministered in those. And I've been to some that weren't that way. And it's a lot harder. My wife and I, when we got that call on Friday, we, we shed a few tears. My wife and I were very fond of Kim. But a godly woman. Love the Lord. And you know, it was, I don't know. We were just, you know, because you just can't just sink it in sometimes. It's like, you just thinking about the living and mostly you know and and you think about them and then but but there's really no it's just a matter of minutes my wife was saying she's walking on streets of made of gold she's with him and that's very comforting now for my friend who lost the love of his life I mean that's tough it's tough I, I understand But we don't grieve like the world does who doesn't have any hope, you know. Because we're all just here for a flicker. But I was talking last week about, I've been talking some length about the provision of God for our lives and for all eternity and how it's already been done. And I was talking about how that's mentioned in in the opening phrases of Ephesians and then again... And 2 Peter, the opening chapter, verses 3 and 4. And I'll just read that to you. You don't have to go there again if you don't want to. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, His divine power, God's divine power has, past tense, granted to us all things that pertain to life, this life, and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. 
by which he has granted. There it is again, the perfect tense, already, already granted to us his precious and very great promises. So all the provision is in the promises. Because it says that through them, through the promises written in this book, and I tell you there's about 8,000 of them to you and for you, and all of them are yes and amen in Christ. That through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Your inheritance is God himself. The very nature of God. That's the goal. You are, just by sitting here today and hearing these words, you are becoming more and more Christ-like, believe it or not. And if the Bible didn't say that that was the goal of God and that was exactly what's taking place with the children of God, from glory to glory, faith to faith, we are becoming more and more like Him. What God is doing, and He describes it as the refiner of silver, who heats that silver up to the boiling point, and it's boiling and boiling. And then, as it cools, He scoops the dross off the top, the the impurities, the irregularities, the the trash, the junk out of that silver. He scoops it off the top. And then he does it again. He heats it up. Seven times, it says. And he scoops it off the top until he looks down The refiner looks down into that silver and he sees the reflection of himself. In this particular case, God is the refiner and you are the silver, you see. Although you're much more valuable than silver and gold, precious stones, he just uses this as an example that we can understand. Some things we don't understand. In which case, he calls you the clay, and he's the potter. And the clay doesn't tell the potter what to do. But I want to tell you this. It's the devil, the thief, that comes to steal, kill, and destroy in this fallen world. Those things are often attributed to God, and it's not fair, it's not right. And it causes people to run from God instead of to him. So we want to make sure that when we see people go in there, I remember being a young man and my, when my grandfather passed away, who I loved, I, I just, I couldn't be consoled, you know. I didn't think it was right that people would be consoled. And I remember when my sister, uh, I mean, when my, my wife, uh, one of her brothers passed away and in her, he was, you know, in his forties, I guess. And she, she said the same thing. She wasn't inconsolable. We knew the Lord and everything. And I did his funeral. But she said she thought it was odd. And, and, and how, you know, you, you've been to many funerals in your life. And you, it, don't, it, it always seems odd. You look around and you see people just carrying on with their lives. And it's like, but, 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 but the world keeps spinning. The world doesn't slow down. Not really even for a minute. <laughs> but there's hope for for us. Amen. This is not what it's all about. Those who love the world have made themselves enemies of God. Now, it doesn't... You have to 
You have to understand God to understand what he means by that. He's talking about the things of the world, the, the world system, the, the, the world way of thinking about things and doing things. We know that God loves the world and he loves the people of the world. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should repent and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, accept him as their Lord and Savior. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So he gave up his most precious possession, which was his Son, because he loves us so much. But just remember that our home is in heaven, not here. But while we're here, while we're here, let's, let's, let's try to... Let's try to get as many as possible to promise us they'll meet us in heaven. But they can't until they hear. Christianity was never meant to be a private affair. And so we need to do our part. The book of Joshua, where I was ministering from last week, tells us exactly how how Joshua brought the children of Israel into the promised land. I told you about that last week. And God, you see, the same name in the Hebrew for Joshua in this book is the same name for Jesus, Yeshua. It's just in a different form. And everything in the Old Covenant is type and shadow of everything revealed in the New Covenant. Amen. So there are a lot of natural examples and natural patterns of things that were to come in the Old Testament that have become spiritual truths in the New. Joshua, not Moses, who was a picture of the law, not by good works, not by effort, did they get into the promised land. But they were led by Joshua. The same with us. Legalism, we're not going to get good because we are good. God doesn't love us because we're lovely. It takes Jesus to lead us into not the promised land, but a land of promises, you see. That's the difference in the old and the new covenant. God led them through Joshua literally into the promised land into Israel. That was type and shadow of Jesus leading us into land of promises. The promises, that's where you find the provision of God. The provision for every area of your life. He says so to Joshua here in verse 8 of the first chapter. He says, he tells him how. How to walk in the promised land. And I want to encourage you to understand that this is telling you how to walk in the land of promises. He says, this book of the law, this Bible, he at the time had only the first five books of the Bible. We have the whole thing, all 66 now. We have a better covenant with better promises. But this is type and shadow of the truth. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. From your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do 
according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Three things. The promise in that text is prosperity and success, isn't it? In everything. The methodology, the how-to, I'm careful to go to how-tos because we're not under the law but under grace. But if you, if, if you, want, to, if you want to walk in the land of promises and benefit and be prosperous and successful in your Christian life, in every area of your life, you need to learn how to walk in the land of promises, in which means you need to learn how to participate in the spiritual laws that God has put in place for your benefit. Amen. Amen. Example, the law of sowing and reaping. Amen. Darn. Not going to ever pass away until the world comes to an end, God says. So, he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's right speaking. You shall meditate on it day and night. That's right thinking. The attitude in your minds regarding God's truth, God's law. And be careful to do all that is written therein. So right doing, right action. Compelled by faith. If it's not, if it's not faith, it's sin. Okay? It's that simple. You say, well, he was telling the leader of God's people some instruction. This is, uh, this is the, the uppity-ups. This is the big wheels. This is the, the guy in the tall tower. The, this was Joshua, not me. Well, that's not... It was Joshua, but if he did it for one, he'll do it for you. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons, which means doesn't mean he doesn't respect anyone. It means he has no favorites. He doesn't play favorites. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen. Amen. There isn't a Christian in the world that's any better than you in the eyes of God. Careful lest we get into the sin of comparison. Those who compare themselves amongst themselves are not wise, God said. You want to compare yourself to someone, you start feeling pretty pretty high and mighty, compare yourself to Jesus. That'll, that'll bring you down to size. He says that, just use me as your, as your mirror. That's all you got to do to stay humble. Remember where he brought you from. And then don't dwell on that. Just be thankful for it. And now remember what he's brought you to. Where you can now run boldly to the throne room of grace. That you may obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need. But it's not your, it's not your personality that impresses God. It's obedience to his way. His way of thinking. His, his instructions. Everything he put in here is for your benefit. Not your demise. People think they're suffering loss. I know people who, oh, they fight and struggle against God so much. 
The Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. We've all gone to our own way. That's what he's talking about. Rebellion. Our own way. It's my life. Well, as long as you think it's your life, then you're going to have to do it all. And as long as you think everything you've got, everything you've done, everything you've earned, everything you have, that you actually did that, and it wasn't God, and you don't give Him the glory, and you don't give Him the honor, then you're going to have to keep working for it and protecting it your whole life. And listen, don't you get tired? Don't you get tired? Don't you just want a little peace? That's what my grandma and mama used to tell me all the time. Boy, I wish I could tell them I found it. I got all you need. I don't, but Jesus does. They knew that, but there's just a saying, you know, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? Oh, just a little peace. <laughs> well, you have all you want. i tell you right now, all the peace, love, and joy you will ever need, you already have in your born-again spirit. Now, getting it from your spirit to your soulish realm, your mind, your will, and emotions... It takes a little effort. You have to get rid of the dross. You have to allow God to work in you. Work out that which is already within. You've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? Amen. Right speaking. Right meditation. Right doing. Requirements of the salvation that we enjoy are listed in Romans chapter 10. Verses 8 through 10. Y'all with me? (laughs) All right. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, starting in verse 8. But what does it say? The Word, the Word of God, the Word is near you, in your mouth. And in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if we confess with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And then he goes on to say there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. In other words, they're talking about God has no favorites. It's available to everyone. Everyone, everywhere. So again, he's showing this connection between the, the heart, which is the garden of your soul, Amen? It's where this word is planted. (laughs) The heart and the mouth. The heart and the mouth. Three times it says it. It says the mouth to the heart. The the mouth confesses from the heart. Mouth confesses from the heart. And then the last time he turns it around. And then he says, and then from the heart, the mouth confesses. You see, it goes in. You hear it. You hear it again. And by then, it's began to take root and bear fruit. And then from the heart comes forth. You see? 
So to confess in the biblical sense, well, really in any sense, really means to say the same as. And so talking about confessing unto God, to me, to say the same as God says regarding the things he has in his word. So if you find the scripture that applies to your given situation, whether it be physical, financial, emotional, relational, you say it. I tell people, read your Bible out loud. You don't have to. I'm just saying, read it out loud. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. You need to hear it. And you can hear it from your own voice. Sometimes God will be speaking to you and you'll hear my voice. And it's, I'm not God, but, but it's just because you're remembering. Because the Holy Spirit says he, God, God sent Him to remind you, to teach you, and to guide you in all things. And to remind you of everything that Jesus has said. Amen. So as you confess the word over your situation, you know, somebody told me the other day about the corona. I said, they were talking about all unbelievers and they were, and they were saying that, uh, and I said, well, I said, uh, nope, it, not me. I rejected in the name of Jesus. They said, wait, what did you say? Are you saying that it's not real? I said, no, I never said that. I said, this isn't Christian science, which isn't Christian or science. You cut their arm off, lay it on the ground. That's not my arm. Yeah, it is, dummy. <laughs> Sorry. We don't deny that there is evil things in this world. We don't deny, even when sickness tries to come upon us. Yeah, this thing's trying to come upon me. But, we never stop short of there. But... By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. No plague shall come nigh my dwelling. In the name of Jesus, I reject sickness. I reject illness. I reject every aspect of the curse in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. When Hurricane Harvey came to, to our neighborhood, and then we, what, we got like 50 inches of rain around this area, something crazy like that, which is like if you get a foot of snow, you know, you get snow this deep some places, right? <laughs> It just works out that way. Drifts and such. And same with the rain. Low-lying areas. And we had people getting boated out of our neighborhood and life, uh, and helicoptered out. People were flooded out of their second floor. Day two of that, when, when you thought it just couldn't rain anymore and it just rained harder. And I saw the rain, the water start coming up. The ramp of my driveway, I said, all right, that's enough. In the name of Jesus, I went out there and I said, you will not come past that line right there in the name of Jesus. And it never did. <laughs> it never came past the ramp of my driveway. I'm just saying, God is good and He is faithful. And He said, all these wonderful things that I do. He said, he told the disciples, you're going to do all these things too and greater things. <clears throat> and I have people say, yeah. Well, he doesn't do that stuff anymore. 
There are churches that say that, you know, a lot of them. But it's too late to tell me that. I've seen too much of it now. I can introduce y'all to people that were dead, okay? <laughs> I have a friend whose son was in the morgue with a toe tag on in the cooler for five hours, and he's got children today. You say, well, i never seen it. How, how many dead people have you tried to raise from the dead? I've done a lot of funerals. I've never once gone up to that casket and tried to raise anybody from the dead. <laughs> you know? <laughs> how many pe- people in wheelchairs, and believe me, I want to sometime, have you said, have you pulled up by their hand and said, rise? To your feet and walk in the name of Jesus. I'm just saying. That's pretty scary, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I'm not really asking you to start there. Well, I, I would love for you to, actually. <laughs> then then I'll watch you and maybe my faith will be... Will strengthen. And we'll see a lot more of it. But how many people have you just said... Can, can I pray for you? Have, in the name of Jesus, I command that sickness to leave your body. Try it. Try it. I've got a an old minister who who uh, he prays for for women that uh, are, are, and, and men who have been believing for children and can't have them. And I, I don't know how many times now he's done that, and, and he'll just be praying, and then he'll just—he's learned to just say whatever the, the Lord says, and and that's that's one of the scary things for a minister when you start learning to prophesy and things like that. But because what if it what if what if it doesn't happen? You see, and that's a that's a terrible place to go with God because you'll you'll never get past that. You see, until you get past that, he's not going to take you further where he wants you to go. You have to walk in faith. The world says, I believe it when I see it. And God says, well, you'll never see it. Because you have to believe you have it when you pray. And then you will have the things that you prayed for. Mark eleven twenty four. It's a kingdom of opposites. Benefits. Promises. Land of promises. Confess. Meditate on it. Do it. Spiritual benefits, physical benefits, material benefits, emotional benefits in this life and for all eternity. James chapter 2, verse 17, he says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Right? Faith without works is dead. In other words, I'll say it to you in in, in terms that uh, my wife likes everything in its most simple form. Otherwise, she starts hearing wah, 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 wah. <laughs> wah, wah. Just shuts down on you. You know what I mean? And it shouldn't be complicated. The gospel is not complicated. It's not easy. 
But it's not hard to understand for someone who has the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So the way Tavana puts it, faith has feet and lips. Faith speaks. Faith does. Faith compels you, you see? Compels you. If you really believe something, you will act upon that. You see what I see? If I believe this building was on fire, I would do something. I would I would go for a fire extinguisher or I would just leave. Or I would just pick up the phone and then leave, you know. You know what I'm saying? Really believing something causes you to act upon it. And if you really believe the promises of God. And I think there's a there's a thing to that in Romans 10, 8 through 10. There's a reason it says you confess until the heart believes. You confess until the heart. And then from the heart you confess. I think there's a reason for that. It takes a while sometimes for us to really... I mean, because we're Christians and we love God and we want to just say if God said it, that settles it. But man, some of it just takes a little while to really... You know, so just keep saying it. Keep saying it. Say it with your mouth until your heart believes. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, you see. That's what the Bible says. He says it again. I never found James. Let me look. James 17, he says, faith without works is dead. 2.17 and then look at 2.28. James 2.28, he says it again. There's not a 28. No, 26. <laughs> the last scripture of the, the, the chapter. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Look at that. So that's what, that's what James is saying. He said, you say you have faith. You say, let me see it. <laughs> I'll show you my faith by my works, he said. In other words... You can tell what I believe by what I'm doing. And I'd rather say who I believe. Because you can only get so far on doctrine. The what you believe is going to take you so far. But you better associate it with a who. Jesus is the Bible with eyeballs. Amen. Amen. Turn over to Mark chapter 4 for just a second. If I have just a couple more minutes of your time. Mark chapter 4. I'll quickly, because this could be a week's message here. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is talking about the, the parable of the, the four soils. Using farming to terminology to people that understood about farming so that they could understand spiritual truths, you see. And he says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, he's talking about sowing the wheat, planting the, 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 the seed, right? As he went out to, to sow, some fell along the path. Remember that these are types of people. The conditions of people's hearts. So you got path people. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground. There's another type of condition of the heart. Rocky ground, folks. Where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up. Since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. 
Other seed fell among thorns. And there's the thorns, folks. And the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain. Growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. And you know the disciples were all going, huh? Y'all got ears. Spiritual terminology here, folks. Eyes to see, ears to hear. Spiritual. Spiritual truths. That's what... Don't be like the world that says, well, when I see it, I believe it. I told a guy I was praying for one time, I, I, I said, you know, God wants you well. He said, I, I hope so. I said, well, forget about it then. He said, huh? I said, that ain't real hope. Christian hope is a confident expectation of good from God. Not just a hope and intuition. That's really, I hope so, that's really a very negative in that context. It means, I don't really believe so, but I wish it would happen. But I'm really not convinced of it. I'll believe it when I see it. You see, and that's not godly. That's not going to, that's not the faith. You see, the faith, faith is, is so important to strengthen that muscle because it's the hand that reaches out and takes hold of the provision of God provided through the grace of God. Amen. And so they were like, and when we, he was alone, those around him were the twelve asked him about the parables. They always said, what were you talking about? Because in the old covenant, it talks about Jesus, Jesus prophesying. He says he, he, not, he won't say anything except he says it in a parable. And he told him, he said, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. God knows those who belong to him. When he begins to call you, to pull you in, he's going to give you the faith you need to receive, to believe the word the gospel actually the faith is contained in little seed containers in the words of God and those that belong to him they respond to it in faith you didn't find him he found you he had it all planned out for the foundation of the world he knew you when he knitted you together in your mother's womb and he loves you And he said to them, do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all the parables? That's why I tell people, if you don't understand the law of sowing and reaping, you won't understand anything about the kingdom of God. That's just that simple. That's why he talked about money all the time. That's why he wanted them to understand with natural things that they could see so that they would embrace the spiritual truths regarding them that God had put in place for their provision and protection. You see? Cain and Abel. Abel gave the first lamb, the perfect lamb. Abel. Cain didn't. Cain was a farmer and he he waited to see what his crop was going to be. He didn't give the first part, the first fruits. It's why was God 
not pleased with that because there was no trust there, you see. It's all about trusting God. That's what Jesus is saying. If you don't understand this, you won't understand anything. The sower sows the Word, the Word of God. I'm up here sowing the Word of God into your hearts, okay? And these are the ones along the path where the Word is sown. Here, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes the Word that is sown in them. That's, that's his job. He hates you. He doesn't want you to come into the kingdom of God where he will never be allowed again. He hates you because of it. He hates you because you love Jesus. He doesn't want you to tell anyone else about Jesus. He wants this word out of you. He doesn't want you to hear this word. This is what's able to save you and others. And he has come immediately when you leave here today. He'll try to distract you. He'll try to do everything that's written in these parables to try and steal this word from your heart so it doesn't take root and bear fruit in your life. That's a fact. Immediately he comes and takes away the word that's sown in them. And those are these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, you start trying to live for God, you're going to come up against some opposition. And there are a lot of people that go, uh, I was just kidding. <laughs> nah. Or they just don't mention it again. Eh, that's no fun. That's hard. That's hard. Rejection is tough. Rejection is tough. I was talking to a group of ministers recently. I, thought, so I said, the only thing I can imagine lonelier than being a pastor for me is if I wasn't a pastor. <laughs> you can't unscramble the eggs, you see? <laughs> You can't unlearn the truth. <laughs> and these are the ones. Uh, I did that one. So, and then persecution arises and count of the word they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world. Now, this is something that's very common, and it can be quite unintentional, you see. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. Some people, just their day-to-day routine gets to be overwhelming. They take on things that God hasn't called them to do. Responsibilities, the burdens, and and uh, some of it, sometimes, you know... You ladies just say, need to say, hey, Calgon, take me away. Lock the door and turn on a candle and all that stuff. You know, I was thinking about Tavana this morning. I know I must have heard Nani and Honey, because me calling for her to help me find something. You know, she has powers that I've never... <laughs> I look for something for Days. But, and she's got a gift. I, I mean, and I think it comes with women in general, but she really, but you, if she's just sitting here and hears that you're looking for something or lost something, it's like saying squirrel to a hound dog. Huh? She, she'll be on it and she'll find it. Yeah. Hi, honey, I've been looking for this shirt. <laughs> I, I've looked everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> here it is. 
You have eyes, but you can't see. I think she can make things appear, actually. Listen. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold. You notice something about those? I'm not going to talk about the first three. Try not to. What I want you to see is the only one that produced anything. And then it was 30, 60, or 100 fold. But it was all a good return on their investment, wasn't it? The only one of the four soils was the one sown into good ground. And I want to point out something. It was the one that had the least. The ground that produced was the one that had the least. The least impaction, the, 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 the least hardness. Those were the path people. Yeah? It wasn't hardened toward God. It had less stones and it had less thorns. It had less. I know farmers who have worked very hard to remove all of those things from their fields to create the good ground they need to produce cotton or even wheat, which is very basically pretty easy to grow. Cotton, not so much. You've got to have right ground. I'm sure it's the same with grapes and all that. You know, very, very sensitive, the soil condition. It's the same with us. And I know God has dealt with me uh, many times. And I'm sure He does with y'all in your quiet time. You can, if, you, if you're listening... God's always talking, but there's a lot of things that we're doing that God hadn't called us to do. There's a lot of things in our life that encumber us, that hinder us. And it could just be the attitudes and conditions of our heart. I will talk to you, because I want to continue to talk to you about the land of promises. But there's really a couple of doors that we open for the enemy who's a real thief who comes in to steal, kill, and destroy, who robs us of our peace and accuses us. That's always the devil. That that voice that telling you you're not good enough and reminding you of your sins and all that, that's not God. That voice is not God. That's the devil. A lot of people are demonized and they don't even realize it. They put up with it. Dreams and voices and things like that. But I'll just tell you quickly that there's two things that two doors that we open a lot. One's bitterness and unforgiveness. Get rid of that stuff. Get rid of it. Remember, forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. Forgiving someone is like releasing someone from prison and then realizing you were the the prisoner. And the other one is just, remember I said, uh, we all like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way, is what the Bible describes it as, talking about the rebellion and our our pride, our stubbornness against God and His, His wishes, His way, His word. That's the other door. 
Bible, God compares rebellion as the sin of witchcraft. Yeah, that's how that's how bad it is. Because see, to disagree with God is to agree with the devil, whether you know it or not. I used I used to, I ministered one time at a, about about mealy mouth fence sitters. Long story short, there's a lot of people that kind of got their foot in the world and in the church. You see, they get some little masquerade party appropriate for 2020, huh? But little do they know, the devil said, the fence is mine. You're sitting on the fence, the fence is mine, said the devil. I don't want anybody to go that way. Disagree with God and, and get on with it. Matthew twelve thirty four. out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, sorry. I was doing the order of salvation. Mouth, heart, mouth, heart, then heart, mouth. But out of the abundance of the heart, the overflow, the harvest of the garden of your heart, your soul, you will speak faith if you put in faith in. You can't just be bombarded with these eye and ear gates with the world and these crazy ideals. It's not within man to direct his own steps. The only truth you're going to find out is from the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Joshua 18, verse 3. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to tell you. Because he, he encouraged them. He gave them the land that God had given them. He told them to go and possess the land. But remember, they had to go and fight for it. There were still inhabitants in the land. There were giants in the land. But it was theirs. Legally, it was theirs. But they had to go and possess it. And as Christians, you're going to have to fight if you want to inherit the promises that God has made for you because the, the enemy doesn't quit. Now, if you read in Ephesians about the armor of God, God's given you everything you need and He goes with you. The Holy Spirit is the, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside to, and takes together to uh, hold together with. In other words, He's your helper, your partner. He's your guide through this life and He will help you and prepare you and teach you and guide you all the way... To navigate through this life to your final destination with your heavenly bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But in Joshua 18.3, I told you last week, some of the people just stayed around Shiloh. They didn't want to go fight for what they had. There were people, when, when they entered into the promised land, when they crossed the river Jordan, the next day, guess what? There was no manna from heaven. God turned it off. In 40 years in the desert, he provided supernaturally the manna from heaven. It fell every night, and they gathered it in the morning. And on uh, before the Sabbath, they gathered twice as much because they didn't gather on the Sabbath. If they gathered more than they needed before that, it would rot and spoil and turn to maggots. But on the Sabbath, it would last for two days. It was all supernatural provision, angel food. Amen. But when they went into the promised land, it stopped coming. Why? Because the provision was there. They, they had to go out and get it. And some of them had got used to their government checks, quite frankly. And they just stuck around. And, and God spoke to Joshua about it. He said, hey, it's enough. And Joshua went out in Joshua 18, verse 3. He says, how long will you wait to take possession of the land God has given you? And so it's the same for us, only on a spiritual level. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. People are not our enemies. We're not against anyone. 
But we're against mindsets and we're against wrong thinking. Amen. Amen. We can hate the sin and love the sinner. That's what the world doesn't understand because they identify with the sin. You see? And you say, well, if you hate that, you hate me because that's who I am. No. That's not what God created. And I can get into the whole understanding of that on a spiritual level and how they might have came with it to this world, what they're talking about. Very well could have. Because that could have come from a spiritual problem from generations before. You see, and so they could very they do think that. Remember, you're the light of the world. And remember, like I said before, the ones in darkness, when you're in the, when you're in the dark, you, you can't see. They don't know. Don't hate them. Hate the sin and love the sinner. Amen? Go out and take hold of these promises. Fight for them. Don't settle for anything less than what God says about your situation. Your circumstances. Your children. Your finances. Your health. Your peace. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much and for teaching us about your will and your ways. Thank you for growing us in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we just ask that we just receive this help, this healing everywhere we hurt, this empowerment by your precious promises, your love and and prosperity for everything regarding this life and all eternity, and that we go and help others with the same help that we've received from you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.